So I want to speak to you this evening about Mary's yes and the gift that it is to us. We need to put ourselves for a moment in the shoes of this young virgin whose name was Mary, who was betrothed to Joseph. Uh, she was, uh, by uh, all accounts, a holy person um, who had kept herself pure uh, and was uh, totally dedicated to God. In fact, the, the tradition suggests that she was given to Joseph precisely so that Joseph could continue to protect her in this purity and in this dedication. All of this was suddenly upended when an angel appeared to her. The angel said to her that his name was Gabriel and that she was going to have a son and said all sorts of things about this son, which indicated to her very clearly that this son was the Messiah. But Mary still had a question, and it was a very good question. How can this be, she says, since I do not know a man. I've not known any man, so this is biologically impossible. How, how is this going to happen? And it's interesting to contrast Mary's, as, as Luke intends us to, to contrast Mary's question here with the question that Zechariah asks uh, just a, a little bit earlier in Luke's Gospel, where, where uh, Zechariah, uh, old man, advanced in years, uh, and a priest in the temple of the Most High God, is serving before the altar, and all of a sudden an angel appears to him, same angel actually, and, and says to him that his wife, Elizabeth, who has been barren all of these years, is going to have a son. And Zechariah asks a similar question. How is this going to happen? He's old. His wife's old, well past childbearing years. And, and for his question, he, he gets an answer, uh, but for his question, he is struck dumb. Mary, on the other hand, is not. Uh, and it's, it's a, why, is the, why, why this contrast? And, and the contrast is there, I think, uh, very clearly, because Zechariah is a priest of the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but most importantly, of Abraham. He is a Jew, a descendant of Abraham. His very, he owes his very existence to the fact that God can make old people, men fertile and women pregnant. Abraham and Sarah, who were you know, well on in years, just like Zachariah and Elizabeth. This is exactly what he is preaching and teaching. This is, this is exactly uh, his, his, his raison d'etre, his, his very reason for existence. Uh, and, and he's questioning this, that God can do this. Um, so he's struck down. Mary, on the other hand, gets an answer. Uh, and I'm quite certain that she gets an answer because for her, it's a very good question. Nothing like this has ever happened before. You've never had a woman have a child without having a man involved. And Mary knows full well that no man has been involved. And so the angel explains to her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and overshadow her uh, so that that which is conceived in her womb will be the Son of God himself. And at that point, Mary says, 
Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. But we should stop there for a second as well and just kind of back up and, and, and unpack a little bit of what she is saying yes to. Uh, the, the hymnography, uh, the, the theology, uh, uh, makes very clear the theology that, that it was at that moment that she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and, the, and, and God himself was conceived in her womb. Um, it was at that moment of her saying, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be to me according to your, to your word. But what was she saying yes to? Remember, she's a young woman in the nation of Israel. The nation that has had more than any other nation on the planet at this point in time drummed into their heads the importance of sexual purity, of keeping oneself holy and devoted to God uh, until marriage. She knows that this is going to be misunderstood. She knows that this is going to be difficult. She can't help but have some sense that other people are going to be looking at her and misjudging her and misunderstanding her and going to assume the worst rather than the, um, frankly, rather unbelievable best, uh, which was the reality. But none of this figures in her response. She doesn't, say, say, she doesn't actually even inquire into the details. So, wait a second, everybody's going to assume this and say that about me, and how am I going to deal with this, and what should I do? And, uh, and th these would be not unnatural reactions. But those aren't her reactions. She was, as I say, a virgin and dedicated to God her entire life up until this point, and indeed all thereafter, was entirely de dedicated to doing what God wanted her to do. Now it was clear. She knew what this was entail, but she also knew exactly what God wanted of her, and she also recognized in the midst of all that suffering that is going to come, the great and amazing blessing that this was, that she would be the mother of the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one who was going to deliver his people. All of that is wrapped up in Mary's yes. And this is a gift to us. Why is it a gift to us? Because, like Mary, we are continually facing difficulties, hardships, tragedies, situations where we have done our best, we've been good, uh, we should be rewarded with recognition and honor and praise, and instead we are slandered and misunderstood and misjudged. These situations come to us all the time in our lives. And the important question is, how do we respond to them? Usually our response is not like Mary's. 
We're angry, we're frustrated, we're, we're struggling against it, and we're trying to exert some kind of control in the circumstances, and it's ugly and messy. <laughs> and, um, but if we look at Mary and how she did this, we can begin to see how it is that we can face whatever circumstance is coming our way with the same beautiful equanimity and uh, acceptance uh, that this is coming from the hand of God to us for our salvation. Because that is basically how Mary lived her life. And this is how we are called to live our lives. We recognize, at least we recognize intellectually, that God is everywhere present and filling all things, that he is always at work in every circumstance for those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. But until that intellectual recognition is translated into practice, it isn't worth very much. But Mary's example shows us exactly that it needs to be, and indeed can be, translated into practice. When we are faced with circumstances that are completely beyond our control, that are uh, going to cause us immense suffering and, and embarrassment and difficulty and misunderstanding, we can, like Mary, ask, well, how is this, what is this about? It's, it's reasonable to ask what, what, what's going on here. But also at the same time, as we begin to understand that God is at work, that this too, whatever it may be, is from the hand of God for our salvation. And if we embrace that with, uh, together with whatever suffering that may entail, we are, as the Apostle says, making up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ himself. We are participating in the divine human synergy that we were created to participate in. We are recognizing the very great blessing that is coming to us from the hand of God with whatever it may be, difficulty, suffering, uh, annoyance, uh, you name it. This is coming to us from the hand of God for our salvation. And as we accept it as such, as we say to God, with that acceptance, behold, the handmaiden, the servant of God, let it be to me according to your word. So at that moment, we too become God-bearers. We too manifest God here in the flesh, in our lives. We manifest the power of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the humility of God. And we too reveal God in this world as members of his body, the church, the body of our Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who became the God-man for us and our, our salvation. We make him present in our response.
And in that response, we find peace, and God is glorified. The glory of God the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.